Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast featuring a post-vacation Michael. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who loves himself a window seat on an airplane. Um... This is Ryan Newman, but uh, I do not like the window, Michael. Oh, you, I thought you were a window seat guy. I mean, what made you think that? <laughs> I don't who, know. Do you know who I am at all? I don't. It's all about I the guess. aisle. Okay. Well, we're off to a good start. I'm joined by yeah. the other brother, who I'm hoping is an aisle guy. Yeah, definitely more of an aisle guy. That's Trey Newman. All right. Thanks to everyone who took part in our trivia contest last week. We're going to grade those responses this week, so... Everyone should be getting an email with your final score. Also, some people gave some really funny answers when they didn't know the answer. So check out our Instagram at College Football Bros. And sometime this week, I'll post the funniest answers in our, our stories there. Uh, but let's start this episode here with two five-star reviews. So go ahead, Ryan. All right. First one is from uh, Gabby Deephouse. Uh, coming from a smaller school, I love that the brothers seem unbiased. They are entertaining to listen to and always make me laugh. Being a Baylor fan, we get a lot of hate, and the boys are great about making me not feel bad about the school I care so much for, which I cannot say about most college football podcasts. Sick'em. College football bros. All right. She's got to be feeling pretty good this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She, she's probably, I'm probably her, is it a girl? Gabby. I yeah. assume so. Assume so. I, I'm probably her favorite bro. <laughs> yeah. I would say so, since you picked Baylor to win the Big 12. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, Trey, what's our next one? Yeah, we've got one from Bildo. Uh, that's with a B. Let's, uh, let's yeah, okay. What'd you say, Trey? Let's, let's, all, <laughs> let's all be be nice here. All right, hey, Gabby might be listening, so let's, let's be mature here, guys. Yes. <laughs> hey, CFB bros, thanks for the great pod. Question, have you looked back at your preseason over-unders? Where have you been spot on or dead wrong? If I remember correctly, two of you were way off on Penn State. We are. So obviously there's a Penn State fan there. Yeah. So we, uh, every year after, uh, at the end of the season, we look back at our preseason over-unders uh, in an episode we call Old Takes Exposed. So we will be getting to those at the end of the season, but let's give them a quick preview here. So Ryan and I did take Penn State under eight and a half. That's looking like a sure loser. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe my worst call of the year was UCLA as my lock in the Pac-12 over five and a half wins, and they are two and five right now. So I think I was right there with you on UCLA, Mike. I might have made them my lock as well. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. What about you, Trey? I uh, most of the people know I was I was bullish on on Tennessee, and it's funny. I went back and listened. I just said they'd go over. I didn't say they'd like win the East or anything. But I went back and listened, and all the points that I laid out were. Basically, the argument to go under, but I, I, I literally, my quote was saying, I have an undescribable feeling that they're going to go over, and I made them my lock in the SEC East. Like, what wow. was I thinking? Yeah, we don't know. We, we, we kind of called you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that was confusing for sure. Um, hey, but for this episode or for this week, uh, I did say that uh, game day was uh, going to have a good chance to head to, uh, where are they going? South Dakota State? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was an amazing call. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. You had to get that one in there, didn't you, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, I had to sneak it in somewhere in the pod today. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get into the week eight recap. We had a crazy week. Um, the second largest upset in the Big Ten in the past forty years. Illinois beat Wisconsin twenty four twenty three as a thirty point underdog on a game winning thirty nine yard field goal from James McCourt. Ryan, what happened in this one? Um, I wow, just it's crazy, unbelievable upset for uh, Lovey Smith's boys. I mean they they were outplayed. I thought most of the game they only converted two third downs the entire game, uh, and they completed just nine passes. Yet they still they still found a way to win. They were main reason though they were able to keep Jonathan Taylor in check. He he had a decent game. It wasn't like horrible, but he didn't go for his normal his normal self. So and and they forced three Wisconsin turnovers. Lovey's teams are always good, even though they're not like a good team. He's, they still are pretty good in the turnover battle. It's just a shocking game. The Badgers they had been so dominant this year, and they were easily in the playoff hunt heading into this one. Uh, and I mean they're still kind of in the hunt, I guess, right now, but they're pretty, pretty far back of the pack. But I'm just kind of at a loss for words on this game. Yeah, especially the way Wisconsin was just totally dominating bad teams. And exactly. Yeah. So you thought they'd just run away with this one. But I I will disagree a little bit about the fact that Wisconsin, you know, really outplayed Illinois because Bill Connolly's postgame win expectancy had Wisconsin at only 54%. So Kind okay. of a toss-up game. Wisconsin did possess the ball for 40 minutes to 20 minutes, but yeah. as far as yards per play, they were about even. So Illinois did pretty well. Um, this game, though, it, it looked like it was over. There were eight minutes left. Wisconsin got the ball at the Illinois 45, up 23 to 14. But their next, those well, this possession, Don, Jonathan Taylor fumbled. The next possession, Jack Cohn threw a pick. And so Illinois yeah. got the W. Yeah, and first of all, the, the the kick itself i was a bit concerned that lovey was he was uber conservative once they got in field goal range and he was pretty much just settling for a, a lengthy field goal but hey props to the kicker nailed it uh you know i i know it's only one game and i'm gonna not try draw too many conclusions but you know michael you just mentioned it like on their last two drives with the game in jeopardy they they i guess you would say maybe not choked but they they didn't they didn't perform when they needed it and you know, this was their chance to kind of prove the doubters wrong that when a game is close, they could handle it and, and they couldn't. So they're still really good. They have a lot in front of them, but it's it's not a good look. Yeah, it, it almost feels like to overreact a little bit. It almost feels like they ruined what was maybe their best season kind of in this era, right? Yeah, because now they got to go at Ohio State. They're gonna be big underdogs. And we'll see if they lose that, then it's kind of just a lot Two of losses and air let out of the balloon. So yep all right next game florida won at south carolina 38 to 27 what'd you take from this one ryan uh yeah i mean this was a it was a really tight game deck and neck going into the fourth quarter but man there was just like that six minute span in the middle of the fourth that florida they did went on a 21 nothing run and really put that game away they were trailing then to go up pretty big but holinsky he really struggled in this game. Just kind of watching it yeah. live, you're just like, oh man, he'd missed on several deep balls where the receivers had a step. And other than that, like they were right with Florida. Every other phase of the game, they were right there. Defense played well enough. Uh, Feaster, Tavion Feaster had a huge game running. Yeah. But it was just Helensky. He just misplaced some of those balls that would have changed the game. So it's a, it's a rough one for Helensky. He's just a true freshman. So it's a tough spot to be put in. But. I mean, they could have had it. They really should have. 
Yep. And obviously, Tavian Feaster was getting the bulk of the carries because Rico Dowdle went down with a knee injury. So, right. Unfortunate for South Carolina. But, but yeah, good win for Florida, especially being without Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zaniga up front. Those are two yeah, huge, huge pieces on the defense. So, good to get a, a road win with without those guys. And one of the big stories in this game, well, at least from South Carolina fans, was the referees. Especially the worst call was uh, that touchdown pass by Florida where there was one of the most blatant pick plays you'll ever oh my see. Gosh. Somehow the refs missed it and Muschamp arguing ended up getting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So, yeah, he was not happy. South Carolina fans were not happy. That was that was really bad. And he obviously had some choice words in his press conference after about that, too. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they... They they had their chances, like you said, Ryan. Like they they had opportunities, they just couldn't capitalize. And and you know what? I I learned my lesson, guys. I went back oh, to the well with oh, South Carolina, man. and they couldn't get it done. I mean, I didn't feel too bad because they were in this game the whole time. But that's what I get. That's what I get. It's a tough yep. ask beating Georgia and Florida in consecutive weeks, no doubt. Without your senior quarterback. Okay, let's move on to Oregon against UW. Oregon was down most of the game, but ended up with a 35-31 win. And I watched this game at an Applebee's just outside of Seattle. And guys, classy. it was very classy. The tension there was thicker than their Parmesan cream sauce, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm I'll, sure. Yeah. I'm sure everybody was just like tuned into the TV. No, actually the big TV had like a Seattle what seattle sounders game on oh so, that's right well, hey they're into it there they are they, well not at the applebee's they weren't into anything really <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um it's certainly not preparing my meal because it was subpar but oh. uh anyway i guess we um, won't be getting an applebee's sponsor no i don't think so that's okay well <laughs> i you know what's funny is i i googled the applebee's menu uh and one of the first ads you get is want to try want to go to olive garden instead oh and my like, gosh Whoa. Olive Garden. Does Olive Garden That's, own Applebee's or something? No, I don't think so. I think it's just like they're just competing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway. I'd rather go to the Olive Garden. It's a toss up. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I thought the one of the biggest reasons Oregon actually ended up winning this game was surprisingly a couple of good game management decisions from Mario Cristobal. So one of them, they were well, really just kind of one drive. They were down 31-21 late in the third quarter. If they had to punt the ball, their defense was tired. It was kind of at risk of getting away from them. So fourth and one from their own 34, they go for it and get it. That was a great call. Later that drive, fourth and three from the Washington 36, went for it again, got a 36-yard touchdown catch from Micah Pittman. So that was some some great decisions from a guy who has been not really lauded very much for his uh, game management decisions. So good job there. And for Washington, you know, the offense played really well against a, a really good Oregon defense, but Washington's defense just let them down. Yep. Yeah, well, you touch on their, the Husky offense there. Oregon had only given up four touchdowns all year. And I mean, what, Washington scored 28 points in the first half? It was, uh, but I was impressed with Oregon because, you know, their offense hadn't really showed a ton against some of the better opponents this year. And, you know, when they're down 28-14 in the second half on the road, and in Seattle, tough place to play. Herbert answered the bell and, you know, he added to his resume. So I was impressed. They kind of wore down that Husky defense. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm very impressed with Oregon, especially since it wasn't like UW was 
I don't know, playing bad or anything. It, Oregon had to earn it. Both teams played a clean game. There wasn't a single turnover. It was a tough environment. You know, playing at UW is obviously a tough place to play. It's just a major, major test that Oregon passed. And I, they're very much a playoff caliber threat right now. Yep. They're, they're still alive. Technically it'll be tough, but they can, they can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Texas nearly lost to Kansas again. They won 40 to 38. I was at a wedding. 50 to 30, 50 to 48. Oh, see, there you go. That just goes to show you. I don't even, I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, I should have known that because the one score I did see live during the game was someone showed me their phone at the wedding and it was 40 to 40. And I was like, holy crap. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, I didn't get to watch the game. I mean, I watched some highlights on YouTube, but Ryan, how did, how did this one go down? And should Texas fans be worried? Um, well, yes about that question, but yeah, crazy, crazy game here. Kansas, they ended up scoring uh, with just over a minute. And knowing Les Miles, he's a gutsy guy. He decided to go for two and they got it. They converted. So they were up one and Ellinger had like a minute and 11 left to to drive the drive the field and get a field goal. And they made it all the way down to the, the Kansas 16 yard line. And uh, it was great game management there from uh, from Ellinger and from Tom Herman they had their last play of the game. There was like, what was it, like eight seconds left or something like that? Yeah, it was eight. Eight seconds left. And they're like, everybody's like, oh, no, you should kick the field goal now. They're at like the 24-yard line or something like that. But they decided to do one more play. It's like, oh, no timeouts. and Really? You know, yeah, they decided to do it. No timeouts, too. So yeah. but they just ran a very simple out route for like eight yards and just got that much closer. And it was either going to be the out route was open or you just throw it over his head probably. So it was... It was a smart play, smart move. They were well prepared. Got Dicker, the kicker, closer, and he just drained his the thirty three yard field goal. But if I'm Texas, yes, I'm I'm very worried. You give up over f- like five hundred and fifty yards of offense to Kansas, over two fifty on the ground. It's not a good look, man. It's yeah, they won, but wow, this is uh, Kansas is like the bottom of the Big Twelve, so you got to be worried. Yeah, this uh, that defense, yikes, like. It was actually 569 yards, and Kansas had the worst offense in the Big 12 going into this game. And especially in the fourth quarter, you could just see, like, Kansas was pretty much doing whatever they wanted. But, you know, Texas, on the other side, props to them. Their their offense is really good, and they put up over 600 yards. So, yeah. you know, they, 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 can, they can make up for some of their their uh, bad play on defense with their offense but I am I'm a little worried about them this season in particular because that defense is going to give up a lot more points and yards but long term I'm not I'm not really worried yet since they're they've been recruiting at a high level we kind of knew that going into this season the defense was going to be their Achilles so I'm not I'm not overly concerned all right next game Penn State beat Michigan 28 to 21 how'd this one go down Trey yeah, Penn State, man, they they held on to win twenty eight to twenty one. They had the whiteout. It proved again to be one of the best atmospheres, and they actually the Nittany Lions rode that emotion to a twenty one nothing lead. It looked like Michigan was just going to be run out of the building, but props to them. They they settled down, especially on defense. They played incredible the rest of the game. Uh, they made it twenty one to fourteen, and then uh, Clifford threw a, a big touchdown pass to KJ Hamler. Um, that put them up 14. But again, Michigan fought back. And with two minutes left, they had a fourth and goal. It looked like Michigan tied it, but Ronnie Bell dropped the touchdown. It was Brutal. sad for him because the cameras caught him, you know, crying on the sideline after. Yeah, he, I feel he so bad really for those types it. of kids. I, I did oh. too. 
But you know, it's weird. Like watching this game, it, it felt like Penn State dominated, but statistically, Michigan actually outgained Penn State by a ton. Uh, you know, what what did you guys see out of this one? Well, I didn't see anything because I wasn't able to watch it. But, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. But from from what I've read and from what I've kind of gleaned from the stats and, and just reading Michigan fans, I read a Michigan blog. It seems like they're kind of encouraged by this game. It's sort of like, hey, maybe the offense, Jim Harbaugh said a few weeks ago, we're getting closer, even though, you know, they weren't particularly efficient in this game going up against Penn State defense on the road, super tough environment. I think people were kind of encouraged from Shea Patterson's performance. And as for Penn State, I think all they care about right now, of course, is is getting the wins. They're not like those. No, they're not in that group with the top five. You know, the the Bama, Ohio State, LSU, Oklahoma and Clemson. Those teams, they they get concerned if they win close. But if you're Penn State, it doesn't matter. You just this is all gravy because you've got a young team, a young offense. So to be what are they seven and oh right now? That's just incredible. Yeah, I I kind of agree with uh, what you're saying, Mike, about the Michigan fans. Like, I was encouraged. I mean, to go down 21 nothing in a tough environment like that, they easily could have folded, especially, you know, they've already lost a game, so they're kind of, eh, things were looking a little rough. But, hey, I thought Shea Patterson was nails. He was tough. He, he was getting hit left and right, and it was just a, I don't know, admirable performance when you thought things were just going to go completely south on them. So, I they're kind of out of the race a little bit for the for the east now but hey they can at least get in the right trajectory and get this offense on track heading into next year just continue this year who knows they get into a new year six bowl if they win out so all right last game we have here alabama surviving against tennessee despite tua of course going down in the second quarter with an ankle injury and at the end of the game tennessee was about to cut the deficit to eight late so it certainly was not over but Jarrett Garantano fumbled on a quarterback sneak on the goal line and Trayvon Diggs returned it all the way for a touchdown. So Bama ended up winning 35 to 13, but it was a little dicier than maybe that score would indicate. Uh, But Ryan, how big is this injury for Tua um, and Alabama? Well, it seems pretty big because he had surgery. I mean, I know it's not like huge surgery, but no, but. There's no but? Okay. I mean, it's... Well, he's supposed to be back for, for LSU, right? Yeah, but is he going to be 100% in a matter of like two weeks? I guess it's like almost three weeks by the time that game rolls around. They, they a have bye. a bye week. It, it, it came at a good time because they play Arkansas next week. They're 30-plus point favorites against them. Yeah. Mac Jones can probably handle that. And then, yeah, and then a bye, so... Or is it reversed? Or is, no, that's, is there the a way, that's the way it is. Oh, that's the way it is? Okay, okay. I'm still worried. You, you know, it's a high ankle sprain's take a long time to heal. They don't just heal in a matter of a couple of weeks, three weeks. It takes longer than that. So I'm worried about it. And it's not going to be a hundred percent, especially when you're going up against LSU at that point when LSU is, uh, I mean, they're kind of look better than Alabama at this point. So you're going to need everything you can get to beat them. So I'm worried if I'm a Bama fan. I guess the only thing I'd be worried about, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little concerning, but the alarming point part is to a, this has been kind of a, an annual tradition. He seems to kind of get hurt with a, a lower leg injury and um, it's kind of hobbled him or, or at least hindered him a little bit. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not overly concerned at, at the moment, but back to this game, it might not have mattered, but that personal foul against Tennessee on third and 10, when they were, they were only down eight, that was, it was horrendous, like terrible. Call. Yeah. They had a few called. calls that were interesting. And then Pruitt, it also wasn't a good look for Pruitt to to grab 
Garantano's uh, face mask uh, after yeah. he reached out. That wasn't the best look. But no. they, I will say, like, I know I'm whatever pro Tennessee, I but they're two and five, but they've really looked a lot better in the last couple of weeks. But, you know, they've had really tough opponents. It's true. They're, they've they've improved. All right. Let's get to the honorable or no, 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 no. Rapid recaps. Rapid recaps. I'm sorry. I skipped ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. You know, you were off your game. You were out of town. It's tough. I know. I'm a little off my game right now. I was on a plane flight this morning. Oh, really? Yes. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. I'll get us going here. Uh, First game I have here is uh, Iowa State, Texas Tech. The Cyclones won 34 to 24. Uh, They jumped out to an early 20 to nothing lead uh, in Texas Tech. They really couldn't cut it closer than 10. They tried to make a little comeback, but they never really did. And Brock Purdy was awesome, threw for 378 and three scores. And the Cyclones now, they're kind of on a roll. They've won three in a row after their loss at Baylor. Speaking of Baylor, it's my next game. we got Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor won this one 45-27, but it was, uh, it was a close game. The Cowboys took the lead uh, 27-24 in the fourth quarter, uh, but Baylor... And uh, Charlie Brewer responded with a touchdown drive. And then after that, next possession for Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders fumbled it. Baylor returned it for a score to kind of put this one away. They added, Baylor added another long touchdown run after that. But uh, now the Bears are sitting at 7-0. and And they have like West Virginia and TCU next, I think, their next two games. They have a bye week followed by those two. They play on a Thursday night versus West Virginia. So that's crazy. I mean, Waco is going to be going crazy. That is crazy. It's awesome. Okay, next one. Oregon State versus Cal. Uh, Beavers took uh, an early 14-0 lead, but then Cal's defense kind of shut them down. And Cal actually took the lead 17-14 late in the third quarter, but the Beavers kind of woke up offensively and put a drive together and took the lead 21-17 with about five minutes left and hung on for the win. Uh, Jake Luton had a decent game. He's kind of underrated nationally. Same with Isaiah Hodgins, the receiver. They're, they're a good duo, and they're an improved team. They've they yeah. really should have beat Stanford. They're they're sitting at three and four right now, but they should be four and three. So they're they're doing better. Yeah, definitely would be encouraged as a Beaver fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, then I have uh, Arizona and USC. Uh, USC just dominated. <laughs> they were up thirty four nothing in the fourth quarter before Arizona put up a couple of meaningless touchdowns late. Uh, USC ended up winning 41-14. Trojans, Mike, still uh, definitely still in control of the Pac-12 South at this point. They're in first place with a tiebreaker over Utah, so looking good. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, then we got my last game, Boise at BYU. Man, every time you think Kalani Sataki and BYU is kind of kind of done, they seem to p- pull off a big win. This was a huge one over 14th-ranked Boise. Uh, the weather was definitely a factor, but, man, Chase Cord really struggled through a couple of picks and probably should have had a couple more. He just was not sharp. Uh, BYU had their own, has their own quarterback issues. They were down to their third QB, Baylor Romney. He was solid. He didn't make any mistakes. It's just kind of what you need. Uh, but a big win for BYU, um, 28-25. We have to talk about the chains. The chains is it's oh, getting oh absurd. Oh my gosh! I, I so they so okay yeah so it's absurd. BYU got the ball off of a kickoff and they they fair caught it so the ball was automatically put at the twenty five and so they run three plays and they're they mark the ball just short of the but 35 it's clearly yard short line. of it. It's clearly short. The ball's not touching the line. Yeah. 
so it's obviously not a first down. They have to get to that white line. It's 10 yards. Like, how hard is that? But they had to, like, pull out the chain gang, and then they measured it, and then they gave him the first down. The chain <laughs> showed he got it. Like, how is this possible? <laughs> but then they, they so, but they reviewed it. Bron- Boise's Bronco men, or not Bronco men, uh, Brian Harson challenged it, and then they put it back, like, a half yard, and it was just like, it was, it was oh so ridiculous. Like, ridiculous. It's 2019. Come on. <laughs> I'm so stupid. All right, my first game here, Iowa got a typical Iowa win over Purdue, 26 to 20. They just seem to be headed for another eight and four season, as usual. So maybe, I, maybe. depending on who you are, that's that's good or bad, I guess. Iowa fans are kind of split on Kirk Ferentz, but wait, what's their record right now? Um, they are. Are they five and two? They lost to. Um, they lost to Penn Michigan State and Penn State. Penn State and Michigan. Okay. They've, they've, they've got to see who they have left. Well, I don't remember, but I looked at it and it was, it looked to project out to eight and four. So, okay. They still right. got Wisconsin. Um, mm. I can't quite remember, but Minnesota. I'm going to take a look. Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota's tough. All right. Anyway, you can look, Ryan. Uh, Utah's, I'm looking. Utah's defense was dominant in a 17 to three win against Arizona State. Jaden Daniels had his worst game of the season, four of 18 for 25 yards and a pick. And I think it was twenty one three actually, but it was twenty one to three. Yeah, yeah, they because uh, they covered. What is wrong they covered. with me, man? <laughs> yeah, it Mike, was, you already said it, Mike. You're not on your top of your game. Yeah, I'm not it, on my you game. Were, you were at a wedding. <laughs> I know, but Tyler Huntley did go down with a leg injury. I'm yeah. right about that. He came back, but then went out again. So Whittingham won't say what the injury is or how long he'll be out. He did say it's not season ending. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Ryan, you got that Iowa schedule? Yeah, so it's you know they got they do have at Wisconsin, uh, they got an at Northwestern this coming week, and then Minnesota at home, Illinois at home, at Nebraska. So yeah, they're going to be I mean, pretty. I don't know. I nine to three, eight and four. They could lose two more. Yeah, I'd say eight and yeah. four, eight and four. All right. Uh, okay. SMU stays undefeated. They beat Temple forty five twenty one behind four hundred and fifty seven yards and six touchdowns from Shane Bashell. Boston College. Kind of out of nowhere, throws their hat into the ring yeah. for second best team in the ACC. They beat NC <laughs> yeah. State 45-24. There was a combined 404 rushing yards and five touchdowns from A.J. Dillon and David Bailey. And then finally, the ACC Coastal had a wild weekend. So Virginia, now the definitive favorite. They got a 48-14 win against Duke. They moved to 3-1. and Pitt won at Syracuse 27-20 to get to 2-1. and And then a couple of crazy games involving... Uh, the coastal of course so georgia tech won at miami in overtime as an 18 and a half point underdog (laughs) miami missed three field goals of 35 yards or less and then got another bad spot uh in in overtime on on fourth down so that was your guys' second best uh acc team yeah well that's what it changes every week (laughs) i know right it's i'm (laughs) it wasn't by a long shot so i'm willing to change that i'm gonna go i said virginia i'm sticking with them I guess Virginia, but Pitt, Pitt's right there too. Yeah, I don't Pitt's know. Yeah, I know. It's it's a mess. Musical chairs. Well, it is. Um, I mean, there was a lot of crazy things that happened in that Miami game, though. Miami had like a fumble, a fumble six in their own end zone. They had, uh, well, Georgia Tech, one of their, tu- their only touchdown, I think, in regulation um, was a, uh, no, not their only touchdown. But anyway, they had a, a, a fake punt pass that led to a touchdown. So <laughs> well, yeah. it was craziness, yeah. but still, that's a really bad loss. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, one of the, the craziest games of the year, North Carolina at Virginia Tech. 
it finally happened. We had a game get to the fifth overtime. So they yeah. just went back and forth with two point conversion attempts. And in six overtimes, Virginia Tech won 43 to 41. And they had to use three different quarterbacks to, to get the win. That was crazy. There was missed field goals, missed two pointers. That was a wild. Oh, yeah. So many chances overtime. to win for both teams. They did. Uh, all right. My first one. Another mystifying result. Uh, this game kind of reminds me of the random ACC you just covered, Michael. Missouri at Vanderbilt. Vandy, they get run off their own field last week against UNLV. And now they beat a ranked Missouri team 21-14. to Wild. Mohassan got his first start for the Commodores, but he got knocked out. And Riley Neal, the, the starter from before, came in to finish the upset. Keyshawn Vaughn scored twice. And they held Kelly Bryant to only 140 yards. So... Bizarre two weeks for Vanderbilt. Next, we've got Kentucky and Georgia. Georgia won this 21 to nothing, but it was 0-0 halfway through the third quarter. There was a bunch of rain, uh, but Georgia's offense was was pretty pretty pitiful. They, Fromm was only 9 of 12 for 35 yards. They Oof. leaned on Swift. He had 179 and two scores, but it was, again, mostly late in the game when they finally wore down Kentucky. Lynn Bowden for Kentucky. He was two of two of fifteen for seventeen yards. He literally just couldn't pass. So I'm going to hold my Oops. judgment on Georgia until the Florida game. But uh, it's 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 not looking good. Not as great as we thought maybe a few weeks ago. But all right, I got a question. I didn't prepare you guys for this, but what do you think the line in that Florida Georgia game is going to be? Obviously, it depends on what happens between now and then. But that's uh, a good question. Well, that's next week, right? Next weekend. Yeah, I'm going to say uh I'm going to say Florida by a couple. No, I'm oh, still saying Georgia. I would Georgia say Georgia's by, favored. Not as much as it I'll say like Georgia by 6 or f- something. Ooh. Five. Okay. I'll, all right, I'll go four and a half. We'll split okay, the difference. Yeah. It's less right. than a touchdown, less than a touchdown. All right. Uh Tulane and Memphis. This was a bit surprising. Memphis dominated Tulane 47 to 17. Memphis actually showed that they could play some defense. They forced Justin McMillan to throw three interceptions. Brady White threw five scores of his own. And Kenneth Gainwell, he's the first player to have 200 yards receiving and 100 rushing since Troy Edwards for Louisiana Tech in 1997. Wow. Uh, it's looking it's looking like Memphis's game against SMU in a couple weeks could decide the Western Division in the AAC. And most importantly, Kenneth Gainwell this weekend earned our Man Crush Monday, so... Uh, that was way very prestigious for him. Exactly. Uh, Florida State and Wake. Wake kicked a field goal with four minutes left to end up winning this one, twenty-two to twenty. That Wake Forest actually had five field goals in the game. Jamie Newman couldn't play, but Sam Hartman, quality backup, he was able to rely on Sage Surratt as his go-to receiver. Blackman and Acres for Florida State. They played pretty well, but unfortunately for them, they're now three and four, and Wake improves to six and one. And now we've got uh, pretty much all the the top teams, other than Wisconsin, one one easy. We've got Ohio State Northwestern. Northwestern, they could have made the grass two feet tall, but they weren't going to compete with the Buckeyes. Ohio State dominated an offense defense, 52-3. to West Virginia, Oklahoma. Oklahoma won 52-14 against uh, OU transfer Austin Kendall. You know, Jalen Hurts, just another day. Only had one incompletion, 316 yards, five total touchdowns. Eh, decent. Clemson, Louisville. Clemson's defense dominated. ETN had 192 yards on only 14 carries. They won 45 to 10. 
the the storyline here though is Trevor Lawrence threw a couple bad interceptions and even Dabo was a little mystified after and he was saying they're bad. He has eight picks on the year, but uh, so that's a little concerning. Yeah, and then LSU and Mississippi State. LSU once again they continue to roll. They won thirty six to thirteen. Joe Burrow was efficient and had four more touchdown passes. And now he's the betting favorite for the first time to win the Heisman. He's wild. He's number one. Um, Jalen Hurts, number two. And then, of course, because of the injury, Tua is third. So, Michael, you got some good betting odds on that, don't you? Oh, I am. I'm so golden right now. Thank you for bringing that up, Ryan. <laughs> I have I have those three guys plus Justin Fields all at like just way better odds than they are right now. So thanks for allowing me to brag there, Ryan. <laughs> yep, yep. You're welcome, Mike. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get to our segment. Our segment this week is uh, one of the dumbest segments that we've ever come up with. It is called <laughs> a six-pack of questions. Really doesn't make any sense, but we'll, we're going to do it anyway. So each of us took two beverages from our fridge, and we had to come up with a question about college football inspired by each of those drinks. So, And the other thing is you have to crack open the drink on mic so that the listeners know, you know, we're really drinking them. So Yeah, we are. Uh, I will go first, and I chose Mike Hess Brewing 459 IPA, and so it's it's 459 like the time, meaning it's almost five o'clock. The end of work is near. So my question coming off of this is, which coach is at 459 right now in his tenure? So either because he'll get fired, maybe he'll retire, go to the NFL. Hopefully, you're not going to choose someone because they're going to die. I re- Trey wow. did that one time with Bill Snyder. It was very insensitive. Wow. But uh, all right, so I got to crack open the drink here. And take a look at this this can, you guys, because it's unique. Oh, that's Ooh. right. Doesn't the whole top come off? Like the, the whole top, the whole top comes top? up. Come, whoa, it's bubbling. Whoa, it literally is. <laughs> I got it. The whole top comes off. You see that? It looks like a normal can, but the entire top Fascinating. comes off. Can we say that again? The top comes off. Yeah. Okay. Well, who's going to answer the question? Uh, I'll take the lead here, I guess. Um, so I went with the good old Bob Davey. He's about to get fired. Oh, excuse it's, me, Ryan. Did, did that? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Just take another sip, go, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this is his seventh season. Uh, he's only won three games each of the last two years. And they're sitting at two and five right now, New Mexico is. So it's not looking good. It's probably going to be three straight years without a bowl game. And it just seems like he should have been fired already, especially for some of the uh, on-field yeah, or off-field off antics, I should say. Yeah, I, I probably agree there. I'm actually going to go, unfortunately, and this is Michael's question, but Joe Moorhead. Yeah, that was my other Ooh. guy I was considering. You know, they're three and four. They just, they haven't looked good at all uh his forte is offense they just can't get it going with stevens or schrader and and there's rumors to him going maybe to rutgers or elsewhere and it's just it hasn't hasn't the marriage hasn't quite worked there in starkville yep no dan mullen tough act to follow there for sure but yeah moorhead has not not done a good job so far Mm -mm. sorry mike yeah that's okay that's okay he'll find if he goes to rutgers and teams up with art sitkowski that could be oh, watch out <laughs> Although art might be transferring so who knows yeah. whatever what's yours ryan all right mine is a white claw i got a white claw Ooh. beverage here yeah it's kind of the in foo-foo little drink right now it got sold out it's precious huh can't it get got sold out anymore it's well yeah like some locations were like out of stock oh i just okay. hadn't didn't have enough to you know supply 
yeah. or it's just a great marketing scheme, but one or the other. Okay. So what's the question? <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's good. It's, I like it. It's good, you know, it's, but it seems a little bit like a flash in the pan to me. You know, there's other beverages that have come up and it's like, oh yeah, it's good. Then they move on to something else. So, so which team, which undefeated team do you think is more of a flash in the pan and not really a true contender? Okay. So you got to crack it open though, Ryan. Oh yeah. Are you are you drinking it? Sorry, here we go. One sec. I, I got it open right here. Oh, that was wow. Cool. That sounded good. That was <laughs> that was like a commercial. <laughs> can you can you drink it? Drink it and give me a like a breath a breathe out. You know yeah, when yeah. you drink it. Oh yeah! Mm, wow, delicious. that's good. Wow, the listeners are gonna love that. Um, <laughs> so I will say. SMU. They're the lowest rated team in Sagarin among the undefeated teams. They've got the 88th ranked strength of schedule. I think they're going to lose a couple games in the last portion of the season here. They've got at Memphis, at Navy, and against Tulane. So it kind of depended how you interpret this question. I mean, it's they do have a chance, of course, in the AAC, but I don't know. I just think they're the worst of the undefeated teams. Right, right. Yeah, I went, um, I'm kind of looking at Minnesota. You know, they're they're good, no doubt, but they could have easily we've talked about this, they could have easily lost any of their first four games. And they but I will say their schedule, they avoid Ohio State and Michigan and then their Penn State and Wisconsin have to go to Minneapolis. So the schedule is great, but but they've played the eighty first ranked Sagarin schedule and based off those first four games, they're they're kind of pretenders as far as being an unbeaten. They're they're good, but yeah, unbeaten's a little crazy. Okay. Trey, is time for your first beverage. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, this one is gonna be hard for the audio, but it's 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 a Gatorade. Oh, so of, okay. of course, Florida, a little twisty. The, yeah, we'll we'll do the twist here. Let's see. Let's see what we can do with the twist here. Mm, not nearly as <laughs> yeah, it's sexy. Not quite the can yeah. opening, but <laughs> you know, I, I do like Gatorade. Uh, actually, wow, it's a little little frozen. Interesting. Uh, Ooh, I like that. Florida, though, <laughs> Florida, they invented Gatorade, and <laughs> oh, Ryan's eyes just got so wide. It's like, oh, I like oh, that. That's, frozen that's when you're Gatorade like, you're like um, a little frozen. You're like what's his name in uh, Philip Fulmer? Side Phil Fulmer. Yeah, <laughs> I want, I want him. I want a bat. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but no, Florida, they're they're seven and one. They got four games left with obviously the big one against Georgia next. So how do you guys see Florida finishing this year? Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Well I'm gonna say I 10 see and Georgia two. winning. I see Florida winning. I, <laughs> I said go ahead, took you forever, Mike. Speak. Well, okay, Speak when man. spoken it, to. All right, I've been a long. I'd like a seven thirty a.m. flight, Ryan. I'm sorry, I'm a little slow. <laughs> How many today. times are you going to use that as an excuse? It's the whole as long as it's relevant. So, um, <laughs> I'm saying ten and two. So I think they're going to lose to Georgia. There, we we talked about earlier. I think they'll be an underdog in that game. I I don't know. We'll see. But uh, then they've got Vandy at home. That's a win at Mizzou. Could be a tricky one for sure. I mean, Missouri blew them out last year in at the swamp. So. But I'll say they get they eke out a win there and then beat Florida State at home. So ten and two, that would be great. I think every Florida fan would be happy with that. Well, I guess if you lose to Georgia, it'd be a little bittersweet. But yeah, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that they went out. 
Wow. I, yeah. Whoa. I Georgia's alarming right now. It's I think don't think they're going to be able to move the ball very well on Florida and Dan yeah. Mullen always finds a way to get the job done on offense. So I I'm going to call it they go 11 and 1. They make it to the SEC title game where they lose to I'll keep that a secret. <laughs> oh, okay. Not willing to choose between Bama and LSU it sounds like. Oh, I have a choice, but I'm just holding it. Are you going to talk about it later on the episode or All right, fine. It's LSU. that was really hard to get it out of him (laughs) uh whose turn is it i woke up really early mike it's my turn okay um all right so my second drink here is i have a strawberry bubbly so it's a you know sparkling water it's fine it's not unhealthy so you know there's a little bit of flavor there but it's just compared to a soda which is kind of what it's replacing it's disappointing so the question is, who's the most disappointing team in the country so far? Uh, but first, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack this open. Mm. Oh, he's matching Ryan's can opening. Yeah. Wow. Listen. All right. We got to hear the. Oh, you want you want a drink? You want me to drink from it? All right. One sec. Yeah, you got to do the drink, the sound. Come on, finish it off. <sighs> mm. So why do you have it if you don't really like it? Well, it's no, I'm not. It, it's fine. It's just compared to a soda, it's not nearly as good. Ah, there you go. Fair. All right. Well, there's there's actually a lot of good answers. I think for this one, you could say a lot of teams, but I'll go with what you the team you brought up earlier, Michael. I got to say UCLA. I, I'm I wasn't expecting them to make, compete for the Pac-12 title, but I also didn't see them being two and five. And and honestly, it took some good fortune to win those two. So yeah. and not to mention last week they got whipped by the Beavers uh, just over a week ago. That wasn't a good look. So I gotta say, Chips Bruins. Yeah, that's a good one. I definitely definitely disappointed by them. Uh, for me, I went. Come I went on, with say it, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I went with Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's not just Nebraska fans that were touting them as West favorites. They were picked by the media to to win the West and. People were calling for what their win total was set at eight, eight and a half, a lot yeah. of places. And they'd be a very, very lucky if they got to even seven at wins at this point. And they just, they just haven't looked good. They got blown out by Minnesota. They almost lost to like South Alabama, last Colorado team that wasn't that, that, not that great. So, and then Ohio State was just an absolute embarrassment. They're nowhere near where everybody all thought they would be. They're, they're worse than they were at the end of last year. Very true. Uh, okay, Ryan. What's your second beverage? All right. My second beverage is my classic Coca-Cola. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. It, it tastes great. It's dependable. I rely on it. I trust it. So which coach do you trust most in a big game? But I got to pop it. So. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Here we go. Nice. Wow. Ryan. Nice. Clutch. Got the got the audio down. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! This is a no, let's let's keep it clean here. Oh man! Uh, wow. Oh, wow, that was very sensual it coke was. drink there. I like it. Wow, <laughs> uh, Michael, Michael, you got to follow that up right now. What what's your answer? All right. Well, I'm I'm saying Nick Saban. It's it's the boring answer, but I think it's the right one. He's nine and three in playoff games and BCS championships combined. Ten and three if you count that uh, Sugar Bowl for LSU in 2003. So he's just got a long track record of doing it. I got to go with him. Yeah, I mean, 
that's that's an easy one. It, it's too early in the in the career to say Ryan Day at this point too. So I was kind of between two. I was I went with between Dan Mullen and Chris Peterson just based on their history. Mm-hmm. I th- I think if I had to say one, I guess just recency bias, I'll say Dan Mullen. Uh, you know, this year alone, he's gone toe to toe with LSU on the road. Um, and they beat Auburn, they beat Miami, and most of the year they've done this with a backup quarterback. The end of last year, they whipped a Michigan team in the the New Year's Six. So in big games, his teams will show up. All right, yeah, and obviously Dabo is up. I mean, that yeah, wouldn't Dabo. be a wrong answer either. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. Uh, okay, Trey, this is our last. The, we finish out the six pack here for us. What do you got? The variety, the variety right. pack here. Six Truly, pack. yeah, variety pack. Truly, okay, we got another. Truly, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those. It's a hard seltzer, and this is a hard question. So, who is truly the best team in college football? And before you get to that, I gotta gotta open it, and you gotta drink it. I just got it all over my mic. Eh, That's all right. (laughs) Oh shoot! Great. (laughs) Malfunctioning tray. Yeah, that that didn't go as planned. But uh, but who do you guys think is uh, truly the best team? Trey did take a sip from it. He didn't do it on mic, but that's okay. Um, I think the best team in the country is Alabama. Uh, it's close. It's definitely closer than it seemed like a, a few weeks ago. Um, and this year, any of the top five, it's not going to shock me if any of them win at all. But Alabama has Tua. They've got those receivers. They've won every game easily so far. And probably most importantly, I just leaned on the betting odds. They're still, well, they are the favorite to win it all right now. Yeah, you're all about you know, the odds, which is makes sense, of course. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go okay. with you the team that I... You can buck the odds. Yeah, the odds that aren't always right. Uh, I went I, with, do, Is buck the odds a pun here? Is it a, is it a prescient pun? Sure. Yes. Well, let's see. I'm taking the Buckeyes. Okay, yes. So, okay, yes. yes. I said it, it like last week or two weeks ago. I remember, don't remember which podcast it was on, but uh, maybe 122. Uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, they just looked like the most complete team. They have an unbelievable offense. They've really only looked quote unquote vulnerable or human in one quarter. And that was the first quarter against Michigan state. And they were still winning, I think like three, nothing at the end of the first quarter. So, or maybe they didn't score. I don't know, but it was, that was it. Every other quarter, they've just been amazing. They've dominated. They haven't, their closest game has been 24 points scoring margin. So they just look like the most complete team. Their defense is lights out which is kind of what you would expect, but they hadn't been in recent years. So yeah, I, I'm taking Justin Fields and the Buckeyes. But you really can't go wrong with like any of the top five. I, I watched on Saturday night, I watched college football final and you got Joey Galloway and Jesse Palmer always do their top five. And they were like pretty much the complete opposite in, in their five, but it's like you could make a case for either of them. Yeah. Anybody getting riled up about any of these teams choosing them as number one i don't know it's just but yeah, what, is, what is fun is we're pretty late in the year and there's like a legitimately at least at least five teams that could win it and it's fun to see that's true that's true at the beginning yep. of the year we thought oh it's going to be alabama clemson again and maybe it will but there's some doubt here at least yeah they got to earn it yep uh okay let's uh let's move on from that dumb segment we got we all have like six <laughs> yeah random <laughs> drinks to be drinking yeah. here um let's get to our week nine picks First game we have here, Texas minus one at TCU. What do you think, Trey? Well, the Longhorns 
are vulnerable right now with their defense being the worst in the Big 12 and and that's saying something. They've allowed three 100-yard rushers in the last two games and but the key for TCU is right there. If they want to win, they need Darius Anderson to run like he was in the beginning of the year. In the last two games though, He's been pretty much shut down, and TCU lost both of those games. So I think he will bounce back, but I'm not yet a believer in Max Duggan. He's been a little shaky, and he's going to need to match scores with Ellinger in Texas. I just don't see that right now. So for that reason, I'm going to lean with the Texas offense, and I think Texas gets the win. Yeah, I'm going to side with you here, Trey. Obviously, last week was concerning for Texas, but they still got the job done. And then you, TCU, when you look to them, it's like they've lost two in a row. They got blown out by Iowa State. Iowa State's pretty good, but they shouldn't lose by 25 to them. Uh, and then they lost to K-State last week, kind of a struggling K-State. So it could only muster 17 points. I see this one being close. TCU seems to always play Texas pretty close and tough and would expect nothing less than this one. But I'm leaning with Ellinger in Texas. Yep, that's a sweep. I think to beat Texas, you've got to put up points. And I just, I, I know Texas defense we've all talked about is is bad, but I don't know if Max Duggan is the guy to take advantage of that. He hasn't thrown a pick this season, which is good, but it kind of feels like maybe it would be better if he had thrown a couple picks. Yeah, exactly. If he was He's got to take, take a little more risk. Exactly. He's got 6.2 yards per attempt, which is bad. He hasn't been able to push the ball downfield. So uh, yeah, I'm taking Texas. And next game, Wisconsin at Ohio State. Buckeyes are favored 14. Who do you like, Ryan? Yeah, I already mentioned it. I mean, Ohio State's just been uh, dominating. 24 points is their closest margin, and they just seem to be getting better and better. Uh, They're so far ahead right now, it seems like. I mean, now they are. Wisconsin, you thought, could or have a realistic chance of beating them. But after this past week, now it doesn't really seem like that. Uh, They just seem like they're so far ahead in the Big Ten. It's going to be hard for me to take Wisconsin here, especially just considering (laughs) what happened in Champaign. I think the Buckeyes have enough to shut down Jonathan Taylor and win this one easy, just like they've been doing the whole rest of the year. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm taking the Buckeyes. I completely agree. Buckeyes have covered six straight games and that first game against FAU, they could have covered if they wanted to really. Yeah. It was 28, nothing in like a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So they, they really should have covered, you could say. And Jonathan Taylor, He's looked pretty human the last couple games in terms of yards per carry, and this is going to be the best defense he's faced probably. So I thought this spread was going to come out around 17, but it's at 14, so I'm going to I'm gonna give those points. And I know Wisconsin is also going to be the best defense Justin Fields has faced, but they put up 34 on a, a Michigan State defense that's probably almost as good as Wisconsin's. So right. yeah, until well, somebody... T- and- and they put up 52, and last week, Northwestern actually had the 8th-ranked SP-plus defense going into the game. Yeah, yeah, they got a good D. Yeah, uh, there you go. So, yeah, I got to go with the Buckeyes. But I'm going to go against the grain. Uh, I, I'm going to buy a little low on Wisconsin Wisconsin, and say they keep it close. I mean, it is, it's scary to pick against Ohio State. I, it's impossible, but I, I just – maybe I'm overthinking it, but I – Sounds like Ohio, you are. No, but I'm just trying not to overreact to the Illinois loss. And I'll say the Badgers, I'm not saying the Badgers are going to win, but I think right. maybe they'll keep it within the 14. Fair. Auburn at LSU. LSU's favored 11 and a half. And if Auburn can't slow down LSU's offense here, then nobody left on LSU's schedule is going to do it. And it's going to be tough because obviously LSU has been great, but they're also getting back Terrace Marshall probably at receiver this week. So offense becomes even more unstoppable. and. I'm just 
kind of liking what I've been seeing from LSU secondary, especially looking better and better. Grant Delpit seems to be rounding back into form, playing like, you know, his his peak self. They've, of course, got great corners in Fulton and Stingley. So I think I said Stinkley there. I meant Stingley. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe if he has a bad game, we can call him that. Uh, but no, I, I just don't think Auburn can keep up. I'm going to take LSU. I'm going to make it my lock. Oh, shit. all right hey hey, it's his first episode back from the flight Uh, button (laughs) so i i know arkansas is dreadful but auburn they handed it to them last week and they might have gained a little bit of confidence on offense especially coming off their bye week the week before that so the the matchup i'm curious to see though is is auburn can they generate a pass rush with their great defense and force pressure on joe burrow you know lsu they've been rolling but they've allowed some points, and I think Auburn can do enough to keep it close. And is this happened? We're gonna have dueling locks. I'm gonna take Auburn as my lock of the week. Ooh, wow! I think that's the first time. It's at least it's been a long time if it has happened. <laughs> yeah, that's but, crazy. Wow. All, All right. right. Well, I, I don't know. I I keep waiting for this LSU offense to slow down and look pedestrian, but it it, it doesn't seem to be happening even against a great Florida defense. Um, hey, Joe Burrow last week, he, he has, oh, he already broke the LSU record for most touchdown passes in a single season through seven games, which is nuts. It is crazy. He's got 29, but speaking of that, here's a little trivia question for you guys. Whose record did he break? Oh, well, Hint, it's actually two guys. Well, one guy, Trey, that's coming to mind is Jamarcus. I don't know. Um, oh. yep. Jamarcus did it. And in in '06, okay, Jamarcus Russell. Had, um, was it another guy within the last twenty years? Yes. Okay, so I'm Michael. I'm thinking we got guys like uh, Matt Mock, Zach Mettenberger. There it is, Matt Mock. Oh, oh, wow. Yep, Matt Mock and Jamarcus Russell. Boom. Good work. Wow. Right? They had twenty eight. <laughs> Good job, guys. Uh, anyways, yes, I really like LSU. Uh, I like them so much that I also was going to make them my lock. Oh, wow. <laughs> we all keyed on this game. I know. I, all right. So I'm, I'm going rogue with Auburn. Yeah, right. we are going solo, Trey. We'll have to have some other stakes on this game since we got all three bros in on the locks, but that's crazy. We can talk off pod about that. Maybe on Twitter. Sure. Uh, okay. Next game, Penn State minus six and a half at Michigan State in the battle for the Land Grant Trophy. Trey, what are your thoughts? Well, Sparty, they had a much needed bye week uh, since they had just played Ohio State and Wisconsin. And now you got Penn State, who had just had that emotional physical battle against Michigan. And we all know it's well documented how poor that Spartans offense is. And by no means am I saying it'll be good here, but I think they'll generate enough against Penn State to keep it close. Uh, I just I was surprised to see Michigan put up a lot of yards, so I think Sparty can do a little bit, not quite up to that level, but um, it should be a low-scoring game, so I'm going to take the points with Michigan State. Yeah, I got to the same result as you, maybe not for quite the same reasons, but yeah, it just this game kind of reminds me of just a few weeks ago that Iowa game that Penn State played in. It was 17 to 12. I think Iowa and Michigan State are pretty close to the same team as far as you know, lack of skill offensively and and really good defenses. So, um, and we've seen Penn State's offense against good defenses. They're not going to put up a, pun- a bunch of points. At least they haven't yet. So, I think Michigan State's going to keep it close, cover the spread. Uh, I disagree. I think Iowa is a little bit better than, than Michigan State, especially offensively. And 
I don't know, Sparty just seems to be trending in the wrong direction. There seems to be a little bit of a turmoil going on right now inside the program. Guys are kind of transferring, leaving the program, whatnot. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be going all that well. I know their defense is still really good, but Penn State's is extremely good. I don't see Sparty scoring more than 10 points, and I think Penn State's got enough to get to like 17-20. So I, I'm taking Penn State. Okay, our last big game here, Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan is favored one and a half. Ryan, what do you think? I mean, we kind of already talked about Michigan here last week, but I was I was uh, encouraged by what I saw at Penn State. They showed a lot of guts coming back. And Penn State, I think they just have a better defense than Notre Dame overall. So I think the Maize and Blue will do enough offensively to kind of help support their defense maybe a little bit better, keep them off the field a little bit more. Because they have a great defense, but sometimes they just got stuck on the field so much this year. Uh, plus, when you consider Notre Dame gives up over 150 yards per game on the ground, that's it's a little alarming. I think Marshall, Michigan will be able to run a little bit. So I'm going to I'm gonna take the Maize and Blue here and say they get the win at home. It's a tough one, uh, but I'm going to roll with the Irish. Uh, they had a bye week last week. Michigan obviously had to play at Penn State. And, you know, Ryan, you mentioned it. Notre Dame, they don't have the most elite defense, but I just I'm not going to buy Shea Patterson yet. They're, they just don't move the ball consistently enough. And and not to mention Notre Dame, they have a top 15 offense. Tony Jones has been running the ball extremely well in their last three games. He could be the difference maker. So I see that being enough to pull it, pull it out in Ann Arbor. I'm with you, Trey. I just, I'm going to take the points. I, I have more trust that Notre Dame won't lay an egg like Michigan potentially could. And we've seen Notre Dame on the road play well in two games at Louisville. They got an easy win. And in, in I think that was the first week of the season. Yeah. And it was, you know, at the time we didn't, we thought it was kind of a bad performance, but looking better now with Louisville being a competitive team. Yeah. And then, of course, going toe to toe at Georgia in a tough environment. So uh, I think they can go into Michigan and win. But I will say this, this point spread kind of puts things into perspective about the state of the program for Michigan. Obviously, the perception is that they're, they're really, you know, floundering right now. But against a team that everyone perceives to be in a great place in Notre Dame, Michigan's favored. And that's with, obviously, it's at home for Michigan, but Notre Dame has the advantage of coming off of a bye. So I think the betting market is telling us these two teams are about equal. Yeah, exactly. Defend Harbaugh to the end, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not defending it. No, listen, listen, I'm just saying, I'm just saying facts, Ryan. You can't argue with facts. Facts that support Harbaugh. Nice, Ryan. Nice, Ryan. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's get to the honorable mentions now. Trey, what do you got? First off, on Thursday night, we got SMU, favored 13 at Houston. This game, to me, it comes down, if Houston quarterback Clayton Toon can play, then I'm going to take Houston. Otherwise, I'm not. He couldn't play last week with a hamstring injury, and Holgerson's son actually got the start, and they were really lucky to beat UConn, and yeah, that UConn. SMU, coming in off their most impressive win, in my opinion, they dominated Temple, Shane Bichelle, running back Xavier Jones, they're no matter what, going to put up big numbers for SMU in this one against that defense. Next, we got USC, their favorite 13 at Colorado. This game is on Friday night. Colorado, man, they come in on a slide. They've lost four or five, including last week, where they only scored 10 points against a really poor Wazoo defense. Montez has struggled. He's thrown eight picks, looking to turn around at home. And we we know, Michael, uh, SC is clearly a better team with Slovis at the helm, and they dominated SC all all in all facets or sorry they dominate arizona in all facets last week and uh even though it's a lot of points on the road i'm more confident 
in what I'm going to get out of SC, so I'll take the Trojans. Iowa is favored 10.5 at Northwestern. Northwestern is having the complete opposite year compared to last year. They've lost four in a row, but I will say they faced Sagarin's number one most difficult schedule. Um, Northwestern, they have struggled against good offenses, but Iowa doesn't exactly have a good offense. No. The over-under in this game is 37.5. So in the low-scoring game, I'll take the 10.5 with Northwestern. And finally, Miami at Pitt. Pitt's favored five. Just when you think you know someone in the ACC like Miami, they, of course, lose to Georgia Tech like we mentioned. And I actually got to give credit to Pat Narduzzi. I've been hard on him because his defenses haven't been all that good at Pitt, but now he's got that unit playing playing better this year. So no matter who starts at quarterback for Miami, I'm going to side with Pitt, especially since they're at home. All right, I've got Virginia minus three and a half at Louisville. And I'm just rooting for chaos in the, in the ACC. So in this case, that would be Louisville winning the game. So I'll say that's what happens. They've, you know, they've got a really bad defense, of course, but Bryce Perkins in the offense haven't been very good at all. So as long as Louisville doesn't turn it over five times like Duke di- did last week, then <laughs> I think they'll be in this game. Uh, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Cyclones are favored 10 and Oklahoma State has just been really disappointing the last couple weeks. Spencer Sanders, of course, not nearly as good as at least I thought early in the year when he looked great. And Iowa State just doesn't seem to have a major weakness right now. Brock Purdy's playing great. Brees Hall, the true freshman, has emerged at running back. The defense, of course, we know is good. So I like them to get the cover here. Uh, Duke at North Carolina. North Carolina's favorite three and a half. This would be a lot better basketball game, huh, guys? Uh-huh. Oh, oh, man. Boy. Oh, boy. Uh, no, but six of North Carolina's games have been decided by six points or, or fewer. ACC games, impossible to pick. Like I said, I'll just take three and a half points. And then two big games in the AAC. You got Tulane at Navy. Both teams trying to stay within reach of SMU, who's undefeated in the AAC West. I'm going to take Navy minus three and a half. They're really not getting any love nationally it feels like this year but sp plus has them ahead of teams like app state and boise state so they're playing well and then finally ucf minus 10 at temple a loss would all but eliminate ucf from the aac east race of course putting them two games behind cincinnati in the loss column and they don't hold that tiebreaker because they lost at cincinnati uh but i think ucf's going to get a win here it's a must-win situation i trust hypel trust the team so ucf Alrighty, my first game I got Cal at Utah. Utah's favorite nineteen. Uh, Utah's defense has been in, on an absolute tear since their loss to USC a few weeks back. Uh, you already kind of mentioned Jaden Daniels' stats: Eight, eighteen pass attempts for a grand total of twenty-five yards. That's pretty rough, man. That's not good. Not good. Uh, having said that, their offense, Utah's offense, isn't exactly setting the world on fire. And you saw Tyler Huntley having a little bit of a lower leg injury we'll call it so that's a little bit worrisome um i think cal's defense is good enough uh, especially with not 100 percent huntley to to keep this one within 19 that's that seems like a, a no-brainer to me taking cal next one i got ou they're minus 23 and a half at k-state uh k-state did get a nice bounce back win last week against tcu but ou is just on another planet right now jalen hurts was almost perfect again last week uh, don't see K-State keeping this one respectable. I think OU wins big. I'm taking them. Utah State at Air Force. Uh, Air Force minus four. Uh, both these teams have been playing well lately, but I'm going to lean towards uh, the Falcons here. Utah State's quarterback, Jordan Love, He's kind of. we kind of thought he was going to be pretty good. Well, 
I wasn't high on him this year because he lost everything. Yeah. He had like no receivers coming back. He has more interceptions than touchdowns. Just not a great statistical year, even though their defense is playing well. But just don't trust the offense. So I'm taking the Falcons, who are playing very well. Uh, then finally, I got Wazoo at Oregon. Oregon's favorite 14. Continue to be impressed with the Ducks, especially the defense, just giving up 288 yards per game. So really good defense and a really efficient quarterback. Really hard for Wazoo to be able to compete with that. I think they'll control the Kooks passing attack and uh, cover the spread here. So give me the Ducks. All right. We have made it. We are finally to the questionable finish. Now you're plugging him in my face. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. Oh, whoops. Oh, boy. Whoops. Off your game. Sure, Mike. All right. No, that one was intentional. I'll I know that. But OK, now the questionable finish. So breaking news right before we pressed record here, sources tell Football Scoop that Florida State has engaged its donor class about making a change at the head coaching position. And their sources say that they would attempt to hire Urban Meyer, of course. Uh, What are your thoughts here, bros? I think it would be a home run hire for Florida State, but I don't see how they're going to be able to get the money to pay Urban Meyer. Eh, even if I think it would be incredible, even if they did get the money. I don't know if he would go to the rival of Florida. Yeah, it seems weird. Either way, that would set up for some incredible Florida-Florida State matchups. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. All right, next question. The Sooner Schooner took too sharp of a turn during Oklahoma's game against West Virginia this weekend, took a tumble. What potential game day tradition mishap would you least want to be a victim of? Mine is, you know, Colorado. I would not want to be near Ralphie and get trampled by him. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of the first one that came to mind for me too. So uh, I have backup here. I would say getting attacked by any bird, you know, would be a terrifying occurrence. So <laughs> yeah, that's a good I'll one. I'll say Auburn getting attacked, you know, by War Eagle or one of their eagles. Yeah, that all right. That that's a good one. Uh, for me, I said um, you know if I was running out into the field at uh, Clemson Stadium, just when they come running running down the hill, if I was leading that and I just stumbled and (laughs) tumbled all the way down the hill. That's a good one. I I don't know. Somebody's got to do that. They all run down so fast together. It's like, I don't know. I know they're athletic, but I feel like somebody would trip. It seems like you could really easily injure yourself. Yeah, that would be even worse. Yeah. I mean, not like a world-class athlete, but you, you, Ryan. Oh, well, okay. I, if I did fall that far, I'm sure I'd get hurt. <laughs> All right, last question. Upset special. You got to pick a seven-plus point underdog to win outright. And I'm going crazy this week. Ryan, sounds like you liked Cal. I'm taking Cal to win outright as a 19-point underdog at Utah. I'm, obviously, this is kind of conditional uh, upon Jason Shelley or Drew Lisk getting the start at quarterback and not Tyler Huntley, which seems like a strong possibility who knows and and in that case then i feel like cal could hold utah to 10 points that wouldn't be a total shock so i give him a puncher's chance yeah all right and in maybe another unprecedented move i'm doubling down on auburn and i'm gonna i made them my lock now i'm gonna make them my upset special as well all right wow that would be crazy what a what an upset uh, okay, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna go back to back here for Illinois. They're getting eight at Purdue, two and five Purdue. So why not, man? <laughs> Lovey's boys can do it. That's just fantastic analysis, Ryan. Hey, well, no, hey, Rondell Moore is probably out again. So you yeah. know, Purdue, Jack Plummer. He, I don't Their know. Defense stinks. Jack Plummer's playing a little better. He was horrible to start, but yeah, yeah, he's playing better. No, but. he had he put up big numbers last week, but. All right, that'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. 
I'm going to get some sleep for next week. I'm going to watch football this Saturday more attentively than this past weekend. So apologies for my performance, guys. Do you forgive me? Can you forgive me? It would really mean a lot. Yeah, I forgive you, Michael. I, I absolutely do. But don't do it again. You're our, you're our little brother. We're kind of obligated. All right, cool. Let's close it out by uh, pounding. Uh, Ryan, you got to pound your... Um, White Claw. White Claw, Trey, you're truly and me, my IPA here. So uh, we'll talk to you next week, everyone. Here we go. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Ryan, you drank the Coke. (laughs) Oops. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.